Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Peter George, who is the author of The Captivating Public Speaker. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Timothy. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. <laughs> okay, I'm a, I'm a public speaking coach as well as an author and speaker. I've been speaking for about 35 years on stage. But half that time, 17 years or so, I've been a public speaking coach, helping others be better on stage, connecting with their audiences and the like. And that's one of the things I do for fun. I absolutely love getting up every day and doing what I do. Other than that, I I love to travel and uh, my wife and I hike at least twice a week. So we're always out in the woods somewhere. There we go. There we go. How long are the hikes usually? Uh, anywhere from three to five miles. Okay. Okay. There we go. Well, awesome. So you've been speaking yourself, you said for 17 years? Coaching for 17, speaking for 35. Speaking for 35, coaching for 17. I love it. Well, tell us more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? Well, uh, I know people, uh, is this audio only or a video as well? Video as well. Ah, so if they're watching, they can see the helmet over my left shoulder and that belonged to my dad my dad was a firefighter here in providence rhode island and i always wanted to be like my dad so i wanted to be a firefighter like a lot of little boys and i wanted to be like my dad well i found out i couldn't be a firefighter those guys are nuts i love them to death but they're not yeah running into a burning building (laughs) and my father knew that he knew there was other things i could do But in helping people become more effective speakers, whether it's in business, whether they want to get up on stage and do it professionally, I can help them achieve a dream. And that dream, they might achieve it long after I'm gone, but I know I'm part of it. And that's a pretty cool thing when someone wants to gain more income from their family or for their family or have that second home to vacation and or get the boat or whatever it might be, send their kids to nice colleges. I'm part of that because I help them up their game. And when you up your game in public speaking, it often comes back in more money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I can't help people the way my dad did, but I can help them my way. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I love it. I love it. And it's really just empowering them on the stage, which empowers them in life. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. What is the most common thing that public speakers need to change right off the get-go when they come to you? Most most speakers, only because they didn't think of it, think of themselves. What am I going to say? What presentation am I going to give? How am I going to do this? And it's all I, I, I. And it's not about us. We're nothing but tools. If they could put a robot up there to do the same thing, God bless them. Go for it. Because it's not about the person doing it, it's the person receiving it. So it's all about the audience. And with my clients, we we flip that instantly. Our first session is mindset. 
this is not about you. This is about your audience. And when people say, well, I give this talk all the time. Well, maybe that's okay if you're always talking to a very similar audience. But if I go speak to mid-managers mid in a large corporation about the benefits of becoming better communicators, I have different stories, different goals, different objectives than I do if I go to a college and speak to juniors and seniors yeah. about the benefits of public speaking. Everything has to change. The idea is the same, but it's about that audience. And it's no different than if you like one type of music and I like another type of music and we go to your concert. And I say, well, that's pretty cool, but that's not what I would have done on my own. And then I bring you to a concert and you go, well, that was good, but that's not where I would have gone on my own. It's got to be about that audience, the right audience for the right speaker, the right speaker for the right audience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that's a, I mean, that's just business, right? You got to think about who you're serving. It's your customer. An audience is your customer. And I tell my, my clients, you don't speak to inform, which was most, which is what most of us do. We speak to inform people. Either they have more knowledge or a different viewpoint or whatever. I tell them, don't speak to inform, speak to transform. Mm. Those people are there for a reason. If they leave very much the same as they came in, why did we have this? Yeah. You know, even in business meetings, that's when you get, oh man, Peter could, could have just emailed a PDF. Yeah. It's just information. But when we can transform people, pretty cool thing. There we go. I love it. Well, now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. Tell us about your vision for your company. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Your vision for your company and your vision for your life. My vision for my company right now uh, is really about the book. My book was released two weeks ago when we're recording this. So that's the vision right now. And it's funny because I used to own a publishing company a lifetime ago, sold that in 2005. And I looked at it and I said, what could I reasonably do? How many books could I reasonably, reasonably sell discounting the end of this year, looking at calendar year 2023? And I came up with a number. And then one day I woke up and thought, why would I sit here and say, what could I reasonably do? Mm. Yeah. What What's that, you know, that huge, um, the, the goal that I'll tell my wife, who's a tremendous business person in her own right, and her say, that's ridiculous. Yeah. What goal is that? So I more than 10 times upped my goal. There we go. That's a lot. More than 10 times. And I told my wife over dinner, and the first thing she said was, that's it? Oh, <laughs> time to 100x. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at her, and, and she said, for you to change from where you were to where you're going, you must have a plan. You must see it in one way or another. And I said, I do. And she said, see it bigger. Mm. Like, Okay. And her point was just how I was thinking. So what if I fail? So what? How many doors, of, because of everything I'm doing to try to get there, how many doors will open? How many opportunities that I never could have envisioned will open and come about? You don't know. But if you go for a reasonable goal, I think that was just showing my age. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to work too hard at this. And, and that's just not me. So I don't know what was, I was probably tired of just getting the book ready to go out. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. There we go. So get the book out there. And what's the number, if you don't mind us asking? The the number is 25,000. 25,000 sales. There we go. Now, my book is self-published. And again, like I said, I used to be a publisher. Not that the publishing world hasn't changed a great deal in 17 years. It has. But the bones are the same. So the number that gets bandied about for a self-published book sales in a year is 102. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I got you. 102, 25,000. 25, yeah. So what if I hit 15? What if I hit 25? What if I hit 10? Hey, what okay. if I hit 50? What if I hit 50? Right? <laughs> Maybe you surprise yourself, hit 50,000, catch the you momentum. Just, you just don't know. And, and truthfully, some of the things you have to do when you have this really audacious goal is to come up with some plans that you might not normally do and get out of your comfort zone and reach out to people that maybe you've never met and ask for help or advice or whatever it is. You just don't know what's going to happen when you're talking to someone. Yeah. You got to you gotta reach out to Oprah every day until she puts it on her book list and then it's going to <laughs> There you go. I'll 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 sit under a doorstep. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I might get arrested first, but after a while, the cops will go. All right, just just the same guy trying to sell his book. <laughs> awesome. Well, do you have any other dreams or goals that you want to talk about? We got sell twenty five thousand copies in twenty twenty three. Yeah, you know, I I have a dream that sounds strange to people, and I've achieved it to some degree. Men in my family, going back five generations, don't live to be sixty. One has in five generations, one has, and on my dad's side, and I'm 64. There we go. So that was always a goal. Now it's to see how many years I can get past that. And so a goal is to keep myself healthy to at least 75 or 80. Yeah. See if I can do that. But every day I look at now, it's a pretty cool day to wake up. There we go. There we go. Keep yourself That's kind of an odd goal. No. My goal, <laughs> Timothy, my goal is to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. It's a good one. Can't do nothing if you're dead. No, you know, it's a pretty good good one to start with anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I said, it's kind of odd, but it's something I look at as, you know, I'm doing something most people in my family never did. Yeah. Most men in my family never did anyway. I love it. If there were one or two people that you could meet right now. And this could be a specific person or a type of person. And they'd really help you take the next step towards your dreams and goals. Who would they be and how would they help you? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Uncle Warren. Uncle Warren. My, my, again, you, you might as well dream big, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why. I love what he says about public speaking. As a matter of fact, they say, if they are right or not, but they say that if you go to his office in Omaha, his undergrad degree is not framed and hanging behind his head on the wall. It's not there. His graduate from Columbia is not there. But his certificate from his public speaking uh, course when he was 27 years old is framed and hanging up behind him. Mm. And his point was he knew what he wanted to accomplish. Maybe not exactly what he has accomplished because he might not have been able to see all of that, but he knew he wanted to do great things. And he knew unless he could communicate well, 
communicate his vision and his needs and his goals than if that's to investors or employees or whomever. Unless he could do that well, he wouldn't succeed. So I would love to have a discussion with him about seeing that when he was, you know, I would say at this age, a kid, 27 years old, certainly a, a young man well on his way, but still. Yeah. I'd love to have that conversation. Absolutely. Um, there's this book called Giftology. Yeah, yeah. Have you read it? Oh, yep. Love it. Love it. You should send your book in the way that he sent. I'm pretty sure he talked about a special method of sending books out to uh, some celebrities to kind of catch their eye. It's like a special box or something that's like pops open, some music plays, and it's like a whole party. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> You should send your book to Warren Buffett in the way that is described in Giftology. I will do that. <laughs> I will do you. You Well, I'll send it. I'll tell you what. I'll send it the way I've been sending it out. And I just got my copies five days ago. Mm -hmm. And I started sending them out to people who wrote endorsements for it. So they're in the book and the like. And other people I wanted, the person who wrote the forward, he has a copy already. And I'll tell you what. I'll send one to Warren Buffett. And I'll let you know if, if I respond after I tell my wife, you will be the second person to know. And when we're done, give me your address and I'll send one to you and you see how it's packaged and you let me know what you think. There we go. Sounds good. Will do. Awesome. Well, any other people that can help you other than Warren Buffett? Grant Cardone. I was wondering if you were a Cardone fan when you mentioned 10X. <laughs> I didn't say it because of his book 10X, but I, when I listened to his book way back when, uh, it resonated with me yeah. because I have that same mindset of why just do average? Yep. You know, face it, Timothy, I, you know, we've known each other for a, a solid 15 minutes, 20 minutes now. So yep. we go way back. <laughs> so I, 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 you tell me if I'm wrong. I will bet you, if I lose this bet, I will show up on Warren Buffett's doorstep. Okay. Okay. I will bet you didn't get up this morning when you were brushing your teeth, you didn't look in the mirror and say, God, I hope I'm perfectly average today. I did not. I did ah, not. See, I don't have to show up on <laughs> Warren's doorstep, but you know, who wants to be average and you can't, I sound like I'm preaching Grant Cardone here, but long before I ever heard his book, I uh, believe this, that you can't be average doing average things, but yep. you can't be above average by doing average things. You just can't. Yeah. So you might not be in the right place. You might not be there at the right time. You've got to do above average things to be above average or get to be above average. And uh, so I'd like to have a conversation with him. And he's Italian. My late last name is actually Giosa. Got changed a hundred years ago. But uh, so Italian to Italian, I'd like to sit down and go, all right, let's let's talk over pasta. There we go. There we <laughs> go. Hey, maybe uh, I can be pasta on his private jet. <laughs> there you go. A book went out to his office today, by the way. Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. I love it. Maybe you'll meet him sooner than you think. Could be. It'd be. You don't know. Well, what are the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to help you accomplish your goals? So you're looking at Sally in the grocery store. You bump into her. She's like, Peter, how can I help you? 
And you're like, Sally, here's what you can do for me. To help me achieve my goals, Sally could uh, determine who she knows that is into speaking, whether it's on stage or in a corporate position, let them know about my book. Uh, and truthfully, I'm also a believer. I'm not a warm, fuzzy person by any stretch of the imagination. My wife will tell you, unless one of the dogs is ill, I, I, I can't, I don't care. If, you know, she has the flu. I say, good luck with that, honey. <laughs> um, so, however, I do believe for some reason, the universe has a way of doing things. And a lot of times it's, Hey, if good wishes, yeah, just grant me good wishes. I'll do the same for you. And, uh, you know, I believe I believe in that a great deal. The, the that'll help me. And the the funny thing is, if I can wish you good luck or some way help you get good luck that way, you'll never know it. I'll never know it. But man, if you something nice happens to you, cool. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it is. You know, I don't have to take credit for it. I don't even have to know. I just want to know that you did well. So if I run into Sally, I'd say give give me good wishes. There we go. I love it. And now we're going to jump to our thriving three. Yeah. First question is, what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. My favorite movie is Patton. General George Patton, World War II. Why that I, movie? The man knew what he wanted. He ruffled feathers along the way, but he got what he got done what he had to get done. I got and you. I just admire that. Do you have a favorite scene in that movie? I've never even heard of it, so I'm just curious to hear. You've never heard of Patton? I've heard of the general, yeah. but not general, the movie. <laughs> yeah, watch the movie. The The opening will tell you all you need to know. <laughs> I got it. His speech, which is an actual speech. And George C. Scott does a tremendous Oscar-winning performance. But uh, there was a scene where when they're in Europe or North Africa, one of the two. And he's saying, I've been here. I was here for the battle of this particular battle against the Romans in whatever era. And he said, I've been here. And it's funny because the first time I ever went to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and I'm a Civil War buff, I was a kid. The first time I ever went, and I think this is what got me into being a Civil War buff. I said, Dad, this is what happened here. And he said, how do you know? Are you studying that in school? I said, I'm 10. We don't study the Civil War. And I said, but this would ha happened. And we went to the museum or whatever you want to call it there where they talk about what actually happened. And I was pretty close to being dead on. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So I don't know if I was there or not. But when he said that, I'm like, all right, there you go. He <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. There but we go. There we I'll, go. Send you, I'll send you a, an email and say, hey, remember to remember to stream this. <laughs> that was, that's so interesting. Was it... um. Was it like deja vu for you? Did you actually feel like you had been there? Like, what was that experience like when you were 10? It, it had a little bit of that. And again, I, my, you know, my wife believes in that stuff and I believe in the goodwill and universe and, and all, but uh, yeah, it did. You know, it's, it was unexplainable. And, and if you got time for a quick story about that, when it. I watch, I watch stuff on the civil war documentaries when my wife's not in the house, because it bores her to tears. She'll <laughs> go upstairs or leave or whatever. And one time she was out shopping and I was watching a documentary on Gettysburg, as a matter of fact. And in the end, it was showing the, all the old photos and they'd have all the officers stand outside the tent and that type thing. And I'm, I'm looking at this as the credits are rolling. I go, oh, my God, that's me. And I just stopped it. 
And my wife is coming in the house a few minutes afterwards. And I said, who's that general on the right? She goes, oh, I don't want to look at Civil War stuff. Who's the general on the right? And she looks and she goes, oh, my God, that's you. Really? And so we had a laugh about it. And, and I said, I knew I was there. The only thing was I thought I fought for the North. This was a Southern <laughs> general. <laughs> and I don't believe in anything that the South fought for. So <laughs> like, I really thought I would have been fighting for the North. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. That is so interesting. She co corroborated your belief. She looked at it. She goes, oh, my God, that's you. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was kind of funny. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, awesome. Maybe your next book should be on leadership during war. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How to be on the other side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> First of all, they were the right side. Second of all, they were the winners. You want to be yeah. on that side. <laughs> <laughs> but, awesome. Well, what is one way you like to take care of yourself? I like to take care of myself. Just what we're doing here. I love to have fun. Sometimes, yeah, my, my wife says someday I'm going to marry an, an adult because <laughs> <laughs> she didn't this time. Uh, I, I just love having fun. Sometimes it's silly fun, like a seven-year-old. And sometimes it's just laughing with friends and family or whatever and having a good time. You know, as my dad used to say, and he died at 59, my dad, you're not going this way again. Yeah. You might as well have fun. There we go. There we go. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet Warren Buffett or Grant Cardone? You know, I I haven't taken any steps, but I'll make a promise. Well, I, I did to Grant. I sent the book with a note and I had to look it up because it's been a long time since I've heard that book. But there was a, a quote, uh, a passage he had about books and he said, Average people try to figure out how to buy a $30 book for less than $30. Mm -hmm. Yep. Of average people will buy a $30 book and look for the million dollar paragraph. Yes. So in the note I wrote, my book sells for $19.95. So I wrote, this is a $20 book that has several million dollar paragraphs in it. There we go. And so hopefully that rings a bell in his head that he said that. And we'll see. You never know what happens. Warren Buffett. All right. I'll, I'll have to, I'll take that under advisement. Tomorrow, I'll get a book out to him and I'll work on getting to him. And if I get to either one, then I'll step, I'll, then I'll step up to Oprah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Let's see what I can do with Oprah. I'm sure they know Oprah. If you get the book to them, just be like, hey, could you introduce me real quick? <laughs> you know, they. <laughs> I'm going to take you on the road with me. <laughs> you're, you're the guy with the ideas. I like this. <laughs> Awesome. Well, now we're going to jump into our final series of questions. And I didn't sure. see beforehand. So if you don't know the answer, you can just say, I don't know. Um, they also require a bit of pretext. <clears throat> so a lot of people have come on the podcast and they've said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change the catalyst that helps people make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree, disagree, have anything to add or subtract? I agree with both those points. People get inspired. They can do some great things. People get desperate. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a little 
story about that. Way back when, when I got out of school, I worked at Sony Corporation. Yep. And there was something I did not want to do. And I'm a, at that point, maybe they're two years, 24 years old. And I told my VP right out, I'm not doing it. To which he came back and said, okay, clean out your desk. And I went, yeah. huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I did what he wanted me to do. Yeah. And later on, he and I, he actually took me out to dinner after I did it and said, let's have a talk, sit down. And he says, always remember this. I said, what, Rich? And he said, life's easy when you have a gun to your head. And that's the desperation part. When you when you get that desperate food, shelter, caring for loved ones, whatever it might be, when you get that desperate, man, suddenly that inspiration comes along. Yeah, I love that. Should that be the title of this podcast? Life's easy when you have a gun to your head? I like it. Words. <laughs> there we go. Quote by Rich Burns. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, given the same amount of extreme inspiration and extreme desperation, why do you think some people make the choice to change and then others don't? I think fear of the unknown. Mm. I think people will even sabotage their own success for fear of the unknown. If I get so successful, oh, I got to move out of this neighborhood I've been in for years. You know, it's great to go to a real nice neighborhood, but still now I got to act differently around those people. And now I'm going to have to buy a more expensive car where other people are going, I want the car. I want the big house. I want the boat. I want this. I want my kids to go to a great college. That's the inspiration. And I think other people get fearful of success and, and fear, fear leaving their comfort zone, things they've known. And, you know, we can say people don't like change. If you wake up tomorrow, that's a change. It's the first time you've ever woken up tomorrow. On that yeah. day, that's a change. So I love change. Life can get boring otherwise. Have change. If I meet Warren Buffett, that's a change. Absolutely. So, uh, so if Sally knows Warren Buffett, hey Sally, you and I got to meet. But you know that's. That, I think we get stuck in ruts and fearful. Mm. And and maybe we just don't see ourselves being that successful, but. You know, I was thinking about that once, and I, I thought when I was younger, I always thought that someone who got to be a major league baseball player, a football player, or something like that, was someone who was blessed with talent. And that's just what it was. Yep. I grew up playing baseball, football, and hockey. I didn't go real far. After high school, I played a little of each, and that was it. And, uh, But I always thought they were just blessed with a gift. And they do have a certain gift to get that far. But they also put in a heck of a lot of effort. If you read about Michael Phelps with swimming, the kid didn't even like swimming. Yeah. But it was, and he wasn't that necessarily that good at the beginning, but it was the hard work. You read about Magic Johnson and, and Larry Bird, right? Yeah. Guys who came up from two different angles, except both of them worked their butts off to get where they were. Yeah. Bird with the 300 shots before school. Yep. You know, so... uh you know, magic, the uh, uh, practicing over and over and over again. And I think that's, that's a lot of it. It's not just that they were blessed. They worked and they worked and they worked. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, hard work is um, an often overlooked factor when you're counting the reasons why you don't have something. <laughs> right. So. For sure. Yeah, it's funny how that funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. It's good. Uh, it's good when you have people around you that will call you out for that too. Yeah. 
I'm married to the best person in the world for that. She's my best friend, my greatest supporter, but she has no problem going, yeah, not your best talk or nah, not your best idea. Yeah. No problem whatsoever. She's pretty frank about it, but I've never met anybody other than my parents who support me the way she did, does. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, our next question is that some people need a small amount of desperation or inspiration to change and others need a larger, more consistent amount. What do you think establishes that threshold and can it be influenced? Yeah, I think it can. I think one can be disguised as the other. Again, yeah. you can get so desperate that you become inspired to to change and then see it's working and oh my God, I just have to keep doing more of this and vice versa that you can have inspiration and fail and then you end up going the other way and maybe get desperate at some point. Who knows? People, you know, I, I think success in whatever we, however we may rate that individually within ourselves fluctuates. Yeah. Where I look at something that someone might go, Hey, wow, that's incredible success. How'd you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I got up and went to work and things kind of fell into place and I might not even give myself credit for it. So that threshold of what pushes people over, uh, I think sometimes it's the person behind them yeah. that's saying you can do this. You know, my clients get a coin and that coin says, you've got this. Mm. And I give it to them so they can take it on stage with them. I have a good luck charm from my wife that goes on stage with me every single time. And I don't know what I do without it, to tell you the truth. Do I think I do as well? Sure. But I'd be wondering if I would before I started speaking. And so I give that to them. I'm like, you get nervous, just rub this. Yeah, there's other things they should be doing too, breathing and the like, other other things that make a lot more sense than rubbing a coin for good luck. But I give that to them and say, you know, I'm behind you. If you're going to call me, you know, it, it could be midnight my time. You're going on stage, call me. I don't care. Yeah. I just want to help you. So sometimes it's just that person behind us. There we go. There we go. I love it. And we got one last question for you. Sure. So for this question, keep in mind a person who has a really fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help and they're not willing to accept change. So in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior. And the laws are to make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy and make it satisfying. With that context in mind and the avatar, I just kind of told you to keep in your head. How can we, you and I, Create an environment that makes it more obvious, more attractive, more easy, and more satisfying for that avatar to make the choice that will change their life. I think the first thing we have to do is find out where they are. Mm -hmm. And then if they tell us where they want to go or we see where they can go and open that up to them and be with them, you know, quote unquote, hand holding them. Uh, it's a lot of what I do for a living. Yeah. And when when people are like, oh, man, you know, I, I'm used to speaking in front of 25 people. And this was an actual case. And the person went from 25 people to 18,000 people. Wow. And freaked. Absolutely freaked. A person who was awesome at speaking on stage. We'd worked together a long time. Just amazing. 18,000 people, she couldn't even fathom. But we worked on that. You know, and, and it's like, okay, what are you going through? Let me know what you're going through so I can try to help you. So I think a lot of times it's a lot of, it might be the same answer to a lot of this that I'm giving, 
I think it's just being there for people, helping them. Now, some people are too stubborn to take take the help. You know, you got to know which ones not to, I guess, not to spend the time on. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't take every client that, or every prospect who comes to me. I try to see if they're coachable. If they're coachable, I'll work with them. If I don't think they're coachable, I won't because I don't want their money. At that point, I'm just taking their money to spend bad time for both them and me. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's just figuring out where they are, what they need, and helping them along the way. Absolutely. There we go. I love it. Well, Peter, is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Uh, yeah, you know what? I want to speak to your listeners. We have been all this time, but I want to speak to your listeners about you. I have a podcast, so I know what it takes. And I know what it takes to make a guest feel welcomed and comfortable. And you are magnificent at it. So, <laughs> Thank you so I think much. you're one of those people just make it makes it look so easy that the listeners might take it for granted. But you're excellent at it. Peter, I appreciate that so much. My Nothing. pleasure. Yeah, Thanks was... for making me feel welcome and comfortable. <laughs> of course, man. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. I'm, just, I'm happy to have you. So I'm glad that you feel that way. Glad that you right. feel that way. Next awesome. time I speak in Austin, we'll get together. For sure. No, let's do it. Let's do it for sure. And um, yeah, I probably won't ever be up in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That a winter? Yeah, yeah. It's just cold. Three, co three coats on? <laughs> exactly. But I really like that point about um, kind of throughout all those last questions of you just saying being there for people is so key. Because okay. I think, um, yeah, time spent together, there's nothing like it. Like, you know, you can have all the money in the world. You can like have all the solutions in the world, but sometimes people just need people. Yep. And so being there for each other is key. So I love that you kind of had that echoing in all your answers. We're social animals. Yeah. You just are most of us anyway. And f for any of your listeners who are going, Oh, this guy's a speaker. He's extroverted. He's that I'm extremely shy around people. And I'm, um, just so far introverted it's not funny yeah but there's one thing to be introverted it's another thing to be shy as well when i speak on stage i'm there for them and i'm helping them and when you help people how can you go wrong yeah you do your best to help them it generally goes well so that's how i look at it and then after that i just want to be in my hotel room <laughs> watching a baseball game absolutely absolutely well awesome peter thank you so much for coming on the show Timothy, thank you for having me. It's been a, very much a pleasure. Of course. And if you guys were listening to this and you loved what Peter had to say, make sure to reach out to him, get his book, rate it, send it to somebody you know. Um, yeah, all the ways to contact him will be down in the show notes. As we always ask, shoot this podcast over to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes if you like the show. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.